0: Welcome to the Idle Book Club on the Idle Thumbs Network. I am Chris Remo.
1: And I'm Sarah Argadell.
0: If you're listening to this, it may be because you listened to the first season of the Idle Book Club, which I'm now retroactively dubbing a season, even though it ended uh, completely unintentionally uh, out of our own poor planning. Um, But we are starting this up as a new season because uh, ever since we did the original run, of book club shows. People have asked us off and on if we're ever going to return to it. And Sarah and I decided that we both like reading. We both, um, we live in the same apartment. <laughs> Why mm-hmm. not do it ourselves? In fact, the original run of the adult book club in a way is sort of the reason we are together in the first place. Uh, isn't that right?
1: That's true. Yeah. (laughs) We read the same books.
0: We do read many of the same kinds of books. We
1: have many of, we have many duplicate books.
0: That's true. Our Our bookshelf has a lot of doubles. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and so we are going to return to this format. Uh, every month we will be reading a new book, which we will announce at least a month in advance. And then the end of that month or the beginning, however the schedule falls, Uh, we will discuss the book between the two of us on this podcast. We will post it to uh, the website and we will put up a forum thread so that the uh, everyone who also read the book along with us can all discuss it together. Uh, Typically what we did in the past was we put up the next month's forum thread as soon as we announced the book so that people who end up reading faster than than the schedule of the podcast allows, we'll be able to to get a a leg up on discussion. Uh, So our first book that we are going to be reading and discussing, Sarah, you chose, it is Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Do you want to describe what this is and why you chose it?
1: Sure. So Fates and Furies came out in 2015 and it has ended up on a lot of the best of 2015 list so far as a, a notal, notable book of the past year. And it's something that I read a few weeks ago at this point and really enjoyed. Um, it, it fits into kind of standard modern literary fiction, which is something that I am definitely drawn to. And I know that you, Chris, read that almost as frequently as I do. And I think this is an interesting book because it primarily focuses on a marriage, but unlike a lot of other modern literary fiction where relationships are shown as in their deterioration, this book is more about a mostly functional relationship between two very complicated people, but the conflict of the novel is not so much about a marriage falling apart and more about what it's like when two pe- two very different people try to slot their lives to- together and create one life. So in that way, it's about what a relationship is like. And yes, there are some fantastical elements of this book, which I'm sure that we'll talk about once you've read it. But for the most part, I think it's a really interesting, if flawed, examination of Relationships, and it's something that I'm excited to get other people to read um, if they haven't already read it, and I'm excited to just talk to you about it. So I guess in part I picked this book because I needed an excuse for <laughs> you to read, to read it. it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> and it's and
0: is there levity in it? It sounds very heavy.
1: Yeah there there is some comedy. So it's called Fates and Furies, and that is a reference to Greek mythology, the Fates and the Furies. And the book contains a Greek chorus, which which again, something that I'll be interested in talking about later. But the Greek chorus provides these little asides throughout the novel, which are, are humorous, if in a kind of bleak way, but then the actual characters in the novel are pretty comical in the way that actual human beings sure. can be, yeah. hum- um, especially the the husband character. So they're, It's about a man and a wife. Um, I shouldn't say man and wife. It's about a husband and a wife. Uh, The husband's name is Lancelot, but his nickname is Lotto, and the wife's name is Mathilde. And Lancelot is the more bombastic of the two characters, and a lot of the humor comes from him and in his kind of viewpoint on this relationship so it's not all
0: it's not all serious relationship dourness no and that's
1: something that's attractive about it right it's a it's about a relationship that in and I, i don't want to say that this book is completely realistic because there are definitely elements of it that 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 go into the fantastical but at its core it has a very true emotion to it it's not a slog to read by any means it's not something that is woefully depressing
0: sure okay well that sounds good so the book is fates and furies by lauren groff uh you said it came out this year is it available in paperback at this point it is okay yes and i assume it's available on e sites
1: you mean for ebooks i'm sure that it is
0: okay So if you end up reading the book, finishing the book before our episode comes out, and you would like to share any of your observations with us, uh, you can email us at books at idlethumbs.net. You can also go onto our forums where other community members will hopefully be discussing this book. You can find those at idlethumbs.net. You go to the forum link and... There will be a, forum, a sub-forum for the Idle Book Club, just as there is for all of our other podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Idle Book Club. And uh, we hope that this iteration of the show will last at least as long mm-hmm. as, as the original did. Thank oh. you if you've been hanging on with this thing in your RSS feed for, for three years. I can't imagine there are that many people who have been, but you know, hopefully there are a few. And hopefully we'll we'll find some new listeners as well. So because we are, you know, potentially a several weeks out from uh, from the first real episode in which we discussed this book, Fates and Furies, because I still have to read it, and so does everyone else, uh, we thought maybe we would just comment a little bit on the most recent books each of us has read um, to kind of just, I guess, warm up. The cast muscles, if you will, the book brain. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the cast muscle connects to the book brain as the old song goes. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, I recently read a book that was also recommended to me by you. Oh, weird. Yeah. Go figure, Sarah, which was, uh, the, which was Elena Ferranti's first novel in her Neapolitan series of novels. Um, which is called My Brilliant Friend. This was a a novel that was published in translation from Italian. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, it is the story of two young women who grow up in Naples in Italy in the mid-20th century. Mm
1: -hmm. Post-World War II.
0: Yeah, post-war Italy, which was a very – (laughs) <laughs> sounds like a very terrible place right well in a lot in a lot of ways
1: sure and especially because they they grow up in an impoverished in a, yes. neighborhood of naples yeah
0: but it sounds like the it sounds like that country had a lot of i i've read a lot by umberto echo and some of his writing he's also italian and some of his writing also deals with that era of italy and it just sounds it sounds very complex in, mm-hmm. a, in a in a way that is very interesting but also very harrowing and this novel really really captures that the uh, kind of the, the the people in this novel are sort of removed from the uh the real uh, i suppose weighty politics of the day but that stuff still exists as kind of a strange backdrop much of the novel is about the more immediate and um, personal violence that permeates everything about the kind of depressed area of naples in which these characters live the book is narrated by a woman who, at the beginning, is reflecting on her lifelong friendship with her friend who has essentially disappeared. And she's thinking back to when they were children, when they were young girls. And the book, for being only the first novel of what, four? Four. covers a huge swath of time right. I in think these it's, people's lives.
1: It starts when they're six or seven and goes up to f- 15 or 16 that, yeah. that first novel whereas the subsequent follow-up books definitely do not span
0: mm-hmm. okay. as, as so i've, I've only read the first so right
1: far. and there are out of four
0: yeah Th- this was a great this was a great book it's a really it's a really compelling read it's not it's not dense or uh, unwelcoming um but it is absolutely packed with detail and observations of life and society. Um, and, you know, I, I, mentioned the violence already, but it's, it's just amazing how, how, incre- how much Ferranti suffuses mm-hmm. just every grain of the, of the telling of this story with this hopelessness and, and um, crushing uh, violence that, that just keeps this, strain of society living these kind of pointless lives at least the way that, that right. the narrator sort of starts to perci- she starts to perceive everything around her as being well, sort she, of she, small she, people scrabbling for scraps right, of nothing right she becomes
1: self actualized yeah she not to delve too much into the the subsequent books but as she gets older she discovers in some ways how to escape her upbringing and in other ways discovers. Well, it starts in
0: the first novel for sure.
1: Yeah, that's true with her her education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the entire series really is this conflict between both trying to escape the violence of her youth and, and not actually being able to completely separate herself from what she keeps referring to as the neighborhood. Yeah. The the neighborhood of Naples that she grew up in. Um, I just want to say that while these books do deal with this kind of violence and turmoil of what you would imagine living in an impoverished community in a post-war country would actually be like. And there, and there is a lot of gendered violence as well uh, against these two women and then other women who are in the book. I want to point out that unlike a lot of books and TV shows and movies that deal in violence against women in this way, nothing about any of these novels feels exploitative or cheap or cheap it's it's upsetting to read but it doesn't feel like the author is intentionally trying to make you feel bad by depicting these scenarios it's more just Elena Ferranti which by the way is a, a a pen name yeah um it's more her trying to be honest about what this life is like and and not pulling any punches in that regard But also, she's not trying to be titillating in any way. So when rape happens, it's not lavishly described. It's just very bluntly depicted, and then you find out what the fallout.
0: I wouldn't even call it bluntly depicted. I would call it essentially alluded to. You know, she doesn't describe. You know, it's um, at least that 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 was how I that was my that's my memory of Mm -hmm. it is that. She she doesn't um, go into detail about sexual violence. She paints it as part of every the fabric. Of, every, yeah, paints and, it
1: as part of the fabric. It's a mixed metaphor. <laughs> that's but. that's
0: okay. Um, and it's also worth mentioning, in light of everything we just said, that you know we were sort of saying a similar thing about *Fates and Furies*, or at least you were. I haven't read the book yet, but this is not a miserable read at mm-hmm. all. I mean, it, it is it is a it is a light read in the sense that none of the the la- the language is not overbearing, and even though many of the situations are very dark, the overall book is is a is very enjoyable. I mean, it's a it's a good enjoyable read. It's just a good enjoyable read about a place in a society that has mm-hmm. a lot of problems. Right. Uh, but it's but it's very it's incredibly beautiful as well.
1: Yes, the the prose is fantastic, and it yeah. only gets better. Uh, it o- it only gets better in the, the follow-up novels as these two women age and their, their voices age. I think that's something that Franti does amazingly well in the first novel where they're still young girls for the most part. And she does an excellent job of kind of capturing the way in which young people think. Mm, yeah, and then totally. that way as the mm. novels progress and the main character who is also named Elena – grows up her voice also matures and her perception of the world around her evolves and it's just really amazing to re- read those books in quick succession and, and see how the language of them changes
0: all right so that is that is a full-on endorsement of uh yeah
1: of all of my, the of my brilliant ferranti.
0: friend and it's three sequels yeah. by elena ferranti so. i mean
1: honestly anything that elena Ferranti has written sure. Yeah. I'd endorse.
0: Yeah. Um so what what did you read? What have you read recently?
1: Well I I guess technically the most recent book that I've read was called The Days of Abandonment by Elena Ferranti. <laughs> All right. So which I will not talk about, except to say that like every other book by her that I have read, it is excellent. Um mm-hmm. that one it, just maybe briefly I will talk about oh, it. It okay. is slightly more upsetting than the neapolitan novels are but it's also uh i guess technically a a novella and not a novel so you you're not forced into this upsetting world for as long but it's something that if you enjoy elena franti it's it's worth to read but something that i will talk about that i i read just before the days of abandonment was called the secret history by oh yeah donna tart yeah and so Donna Tart. Many people probably will know as the author of The Goldfinch, which came out last year.
0: Or maybe the year before. And
1: and won a bunch of awards. That's not something that I've read yet. uh, But I I plan on it after having read The Secret History, which I believe was her first novel. Mm -hmm. So this is a book that I had tried to read previously and got about 50 pages in and gave up on, I think, a year ago.
0: I, I very oddly had the exact same experience right. by complete coincidence, right. actually. Um, I think maybe two years ago. Uh, well, it
1: was the copy of the book that...
0: That you ended up reading. Yeah, it was well, your I, your
1: copy of the book is what I read.
0: My copy of the book is not mine. It was right. loaned to us by a mutual friend. Anyway, none <laughs> of that matters. So so why did you end up... Uh, what, what was it about the book that really stuck with you this time and made you see it to the end? Because as I recall, you read this almost in one shot and really loved it a lot. So what what was so great about it? Well, what is this book even?
1: <laughs> this book is about a group of college students who are at school in a very small liberal arts college in, in Vermont. So it's like Middlebury, Middlebury or Amherst, some uh, Wesleyan, one of those sure. schools and the main characters from Northern California from a lower middle-class family who ends up in this elite, tiny, Ivy League-esque school with a bunch of fairly wealthy students. So in part, it's about his experience coming from this completely different background, but more particularly, it's about his relationship with these four other students who are all majoring in ancient Greek together. And each of the students have has their own kind of particular personalities that make them feel very – they both feel very otherworldly but also immediately identif- identifiable as people who you probably have met in real life, especially if you have gone through college uh, and especially if you've been to a smaller college. So I went to – William & Mary in Virginia, which is a small-ish size liberal arts school. It's not in New England, so it it doesn't have the kind of snowy Mm -hmm. emptiness that New England does at certain times of year. But it it does have that very close community feeling that the secret history captures really well because William & Mary is in Williamsburg and is fairly isolated from all other areas. And so I... I liked being put back into that mindset. But more broadly, I I really liked this book because it is so beautifully written about being 21 years old and still being a child in many ways, but also reaching adulthood, but not having yet have having the experience or the just the capability of Handling what that means. Mm-hmm. And I think this book very beautifully and sadly captures what that transition period is like for young people with some kind of c- crazy plot narratives that never feel crazy even though if i were to just give you a, a
0: bullet list right it yeah. it would
1: seem ridiculous mm-hmm. um i mean the book opens with the admission that a murder has happened and then through the through the story you find out what the actual background to this murder is but you know if i were just to say oh this this book is about a murder that these college students commit—you would say that sounds outrageous. <laughs> I never committed a murder in college. Well, uh,
0: <laughs> you clearly have not spent enough time watching the Shonda Rhimes program "How to Get Away with Murder." That's true about college students and murder.
1: Well, they're law students, so, so if they're... you're accustomed
0: to that, then this would seem completely uh, no, because because they're, they're
1: older, they're in graduate school, that's true. so that's that's acceptable. I guess acceptable. you have spent some time
0: watching this also. <laughs> I've watched way too much of that show.
1: Um, it's, the book really isn't about that though, right? It's, it's about that. That's the kind of frame framing model for the story or that is the story. Right. But it, it's interesting in the actual details of these students and the way that she describes them, the way that she describes Vermont as feeling like this Mm -hmm. otherworldly place. And that's the way that college can feel when you. So
0: if, if I went to a, I went to UC Berkeley, which is a 30,000. Student public school. Will Mm -hmm. will I relate to (laughs) these people? Do you think?
1: I mean, you should be able to if you can relate to characters who are not ever one
0: murdering law students. Oh, right, yeah, they're
1: not law students; they're ancient Greek students. Oh, okay. I, I, I mean, obviously, people who did not go to a small liberal arts school will be able to get something out of this this book. I think even if you didn't go to college. You will be able to relate to again this idea of being on the cusp of maturity, yeah, right. but still being incredibly immature, and and being convinced of the fact that you know everything, right. yeah, yeah. but really painfully, mm-hmm. very painfully not that, knowing. That reminds
0: me of, um, the, at least to your description of it. Reminds me in some ways of The Marriage Plot by Jeffrey Eugenides. Yeah, which I was book thinking that, about that book that a I lot. Loved, and I think you're a little more mixed on. Right. But, but yeah, that's another book about that. The characters sound like they're drawn maybe from the same pool of mm-hmm. sorts of people and is also about being in that moment of right. pseudo adulthood where you are legally and technically an adult. Um, and in many ways have the capacities adults have, mm-hmm. but also have so much of your ways of processing things rooted in adolescence right
1: well and specifically those two books deal with not only people who are on this weird dividing age line but also who come from relative privilege mm. and have yeah. th- these kind of this this idea that they are privileged and, and they've grown up with relatively easy lives and so mm-hmm. they feel even more entitled to right. now i am I'm an adult but in in some ways they're even more childish than their less privileged peers yeah, because, because they've
0: had less to confront,
1: right? And yeah. and I think both books deal with that spectacularly. My problem with the marriage plot is is more that I think that Eugenides, um, is it Eugenides or Eugenides?
0: Eugen- I've always heard it pronounced Eugenides. Who knows? Is
1: is that he? I think his his language is much more literal than what is in the secret history the secret history feels like it could have been written in the 19th century it it has this very beautiful what i guess people would describe as lyrical mm. prose that is not always my favorite thing but donna tart
0: and definitely is not typically a component of modern fiction right at least well i mean the she can find modern fiction that is anything there but i would say that's less in fashion currently
1: I don't know. I, I feel like there have been a lot of big novels over the recent years that kind of trade in this, like The Luminaries mm-hmm. by Eleanor Catton, which came out the same year, I believe, as The Goldfinch did, definitely does have this kind okay. of old-feeling style of writing. And that book you know, is also set in the 1800s, so that might help and, with, with that.
0: But you think it works for The Secret History and doesn't feel archaic.
1: Right. It, it kind of... It, it makes it hard to completely place what year the book is supposed to be set in, which makes it even more interesting. And again, I keep using this world, but other otherworldly feeling because it's not quite clear. You know what's happening in Vermont because they say Vermont, but the, the school is obviously a fictional school. And no one ever says the, the exact time that all of this is happening mm. in. And everything just feels kind of – gauzy in that way
0: i should probably also go back and read it and then finally return the copy of the book that we have to the person who actually owns it <laughs> uh, so so there's some there is uh, i guess just some book discussion to sort of tie this, people over yeah to and, to and to get us in the in the mode of uh of the well, exercise thing. our book brain yeah that's true we exercise our book brain we put our book brain through that ringer uh-huh uh to mix more metaphors so the first book that we are going to be reading officially is, as we said earlier, "Fates and Furies" by Lauren Groff. That'll be probably about a month from now. We'll we'll just stay tuned to this to this feed. Uh, but I know that we so we haven't really chosen um, the next several books in order quite yet. Um, but Sarah, you were you were saying to me earlier that part of your uh, motivation for wanting to do this. And part of the reason you're excited about this is because you want to maybe try and, and branch out from the kinds of books that you're typically um, just drawn to by default. So wh- right. What is your thinking on that?
1: Well, usually what I read is more recent fiction that is being well-reviewed and kind of... Sort of the,
0: in the conversation. Right. Yeah. So
1: if that's that's how I first discovered... Fates and Furies, right. and and while I think this is a completely fine book, I, I would like to, to try to work. I hope
0: it's more than fine it's, because you're,
1: <laughs> you're, it's my pick. Yeah, it's
0: your pick, and you're getting well, – this is the book that we're kicking this thing off with. <laughs>
1: Uh-oh. Uh, so I, I want to hopefully use this podcast as a way to give myself an excuse to – Go back and and fill in what I perceive as as gaps maybe in my reading history. So and I think I'm I was pretty fortunate in that my major in college was Russian and that gave me a great excuse to read a lot of the classic Russian novels that I probably never would have read on my own because who picks up Brothers Karamazov for fun? But I'm I'm hoping that we can use this podcast to for both of us really to go back and and maybe read books that we wish that we had read at a earlier point in our life and so in that regard we've been talking about maybe doing an episode with a Philip K. Dick book maybe Man in the High Castle because that has recently become a tv show on amazon uh maybe we could read master and margarita by mikhail bulgakov because that's something i i guess both of us have read that book but i would i would love to reread it and get to talk to you about how you perceive it as a non-russian studies yeah. person um james baldwin is an author that i have been meaning to read for years and just never get around to so maybe we can use this podcast as an excuse for that. I would love to get you to read anything by Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that you're uh, against reading no, Jane I'm Austen. No, totally not, but yeah. Right. But wh- it's just hard. So many, so
0: many book people, uh, that particular era of British literature is sort of foundational. And for me, I just missed it entirely.
1: Yeah. It's, it's hard, I think, once you're out of your college years mm-hmm. to go.
0: I also never studied English or anything, so I, I didn't have the sort of default.
1: Yeah, neither book. did I. I just kind of force myself to read those books at that age. And it would be great to go back to them as an adult and probably get a lot more out of Mm -hmm. something like Pride and Prejudice than I did when I was 18. But I think it's, again, it's just hard when you're older and you're aware that there are just so many books that are coming out constantly. And everything else,
0: books and movies and TV shows and games and everything.
1: Right, life is very hard in that way. (laughs) And so sometimes you just need... That push. Yeah, you, so, need a, you need a reason. Right, and yeah. so in that way, for for us, and then for people who are listening to this podcast, hopefully we can use that as a as a way to to give everyone that push, and in the way that the first season of this podcast read The Great Gatsby, which I never would have bothered to reread as an adult if there had not been some external
0: mm-hmm. push
1: for. And I'm completely glad that I did because I had an entirely different reaction yeah, to that totally. book. So. That's my hope. Um, a good mix of sort of older books and then more more modern books that we're excited about yeah. as well. I mean, if we're starting off with *Face and Furies*, which is obviously a, a fairly yeah. recent novel, um, but that doesn't mean that everything that we read will just be whatever the New York Times has reviewed right. recently. At least that that is my hope. Yeah, and our, we're. Are we open to suggestions? Yeah,
0: why not? Yeah, if you, uh, like I said earlier, our email address is books at idle net. And um, the, you know, mainly we use that for comments from uh, fellow readers who have read the, the book that's upcoming because uh, we like to share some of those comments on the episodes. It's the thing I really enjoy um, because it's you there's always more things that you never notice yourself that you need that. More people will always notice more things, and so that's really interesting, but also who knows we could get some some good recommendations of books to read and hopefully the um the examples that Sarah you threw out will i, I hope demonstrate that our intention is to read a fairly broad range, and we're not trying to stick to a kind of a, you know modern um it won't literary be all establishment Branson, like all the yeah time. right right
1: although i it would be nice. To read the corrections so that you can finally know, read yeah. the corrections. Yep.
0: So so we'll see. But we have a we have a uh we're interested in in branching out for sure. So books at idlethumbs.net, or you can uh tweet to us at idle book club on Twitter. Um we have the forums at net if you click the forums link. So these are all ways to get in contact with us. And um, you know, like I said, uh please subscribe to this feed through iTunes, through our RSS through any other means you use to listen to podcasts because uh, we will be back soon with discussion of fates and furies by Lauren Groff, which is available in hardcover and paperback and electronic books all over anywhere. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we look forward to kicking this off and and like I say, hopefully sticking with it uh, for a while. And thanks if you, again, especially if you, listened to the first season and have stuck around. So uh, for Sarah Argadale, I am Chris Remo, and thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.